Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today I'll be talking to GCMI's director, Jared Looney, addressing the question, what are global cities? How are you doing, Jared? Good. Excited to be here. Good. Thanks for coming. Uh, so, Jared, we're the Global City Mission Initiative, GCMI, but what are global cities and why do they matter to missions? So some years back, a uh, an urban studies scholar uh, coined the term global cities, and at that time was primarily talking about New York, Tokyo, and London, because these were centers of command and control in the global economy. And she identified these as urban centers that really um, – really were leading the global economy, were really central to the global economy, uh, and as I said, command and control centers. So you're, you're saying these are mainly economic centers? Is that what makes a global city? Uh, that was the beginning of the conversation within the field of urban studies. Um, there, there's been continued conversation, and really now there's even uh, urban studies groups in academia who develop hierarchies where they talk about different uh, degrees of globalization, how they've impacted cities. Um, and, and I think when we start talking about missions, uh, we're really looking at global cities as uh, hubs or, or um, centers of connection. Um, so these are cities where we have large numbers of immigrants and or uh, institutions that are really globally connected. Um, Give me an example of, of what those institutions would be. Um, academic, diplomatic, uh, multinational businesses. Okay. So um, like hospitality industry. Like the UN or major universities. Like yeah, you, you have the UN, the United Nations, of course. You have, uh, you, you have different, um, you have cities that have a, a high number of, of consulates. Uh, but also, for example, um, Orlando, Florida, we don't think of that as a global city. Uh, but it's the most visited city in the United States. Is that because uh, of Disney or why? Uh, well, Disney Universal, I mean, there's so many different things going on there. It's a major vacation hub. And so as a result, you have a hospitality industry that draws in people from around the world. The same way if you're in finance or fashion or, or, or uh, acting or anything else, you would come to New York to, or a London to really beef up your resume. If you're in the hospitality industry, you want maybe a New York or an Orlando on your, on your resume. Yeah. So talk to me about this because I feel like, when we talk about New York or Tokyo or London as a global city, I think yeah. intuitively people understand what that is. Yeah, I think if you're talking about... A, a, but talk to me about, you know, a Houston, a Dallas, a Tampa. Yeah. These are not what people sure. think of as global cities. Sure. What does that mean in that case? Nobody thinks of Dallas as an international economic powerhouse. Yeah. Even though it's important to the U.S., Although, what makes it a global city? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that there's different... Um, there's different sets of criteria, I think, for looking at global cities. So I think strictly from uh, kind of the global studies, urban studies field, uh, most of the conversation has been around the global economy. Um, I think when we start translating that to missions, we're actually looking at what are the implications uh, for a city's role in the global economy and what is happening in that city. And so we're especially looking at uh, – you know, immigrant populations that are coming into the city and staying connected to people uh, in their homelands or in other uh, migrant communities around the world. Uh, we're talking about um, to what extent do uh, people in the city 
um, have connections to to other parts of the world. Uh, how much is this city a gateway as well? Looking at it from the other side, how much is this city a gateway um, for people that are landing here from around the world? Can as they enter that city, it's a gateway to the rest of, let's say, the United States. If we're talking about North America. Um, and so we, we're really looking at it as uh, global connection. So if you have a city like uh, a New York, a London, um, these are clearly uh, both powerhouses in the global economy. They are gateway cities uh, for their nations and their continents. They're also uh, centers of, uh, of culture making and cultural change. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so, so these are. These are easily, um, as you said, global cities where anybody who has the conversation says, well, yes, of course. Sure. Um, but, but I think to, um, and honestly, to, to lesser extents in, in many cases, but you have, uh, then when if you're comparing to New York or London, um, but you really have a long list of, of cities that we would say qualify as global cities. Um, so if you, if you look at a Dallas, Fort Worth area, um, it is growing at um, an unbelievable rate, and uh, somewhere around three quarters of new growth in Dallas Fort Worth is people that were born outside the United States. Yeah, I heard that statistic that seventy five percent of the annual growth is foreign born. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, and then you have uh, you know a place like Tampa where um, my family's relocated from New York City a little over a year ago. Uh, I get the question a lot. Why Tampa? And and I think largely that question just comes out of what what you mentioned. It's just not thought of intuitively as a global city. Um, but there's incredible uh, pop, Arab populations, Indian populations. Um, uh, University of South Florida is drawing people in from around the world. Um, big Columbi- Colombian uh, enclave. Uh, I went to eat at a little Vietnamese deli, and right beside it is the Vietnamese Cultural Center with Buddhist monks working in their in robes, working inside that little storefront, in a, in the west side of Tampa, Florida. Um, I, I was in um, a city, a small city in the East Coast, and I, I went to a restaurant and was talking to uh, people from Myanmar and asking them questions, and they were talking about several hundred Burmese refugees that are now in the city. Um, it, when we start talking about global cities, places like New York sit at the apex. That needs to be um, a primary mission field for the church. And it is the primary mission field of global city mission. It's where we started. But the conversation doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of cities that we need to engage because these are places that are um, making culture. They're culture building and influencing culture. And so if we're talking about making an impact Within um, our own society, we need to be working in cities. Uh, these are gateway cities. So as people come from within, uh, from around the world and enter these cities and then spread out across uh, our society, uh, we need to be working in cities and in gateway cities. But these are also places that, as they host people from around the world, are connected, stay connected to cities around the world. Yeah. So let me follow up on that, actually, because one of the things that I run into uh, when talking to people about global cities is just the reality that cities are more expensive to live in, especially global cities are just mm-hmm. a higher cost to support missionaries in. Mm-hmm. 
And cities are often less hospitable in terms of uh, acculturating to and just living in daily life. Mm -hmm. So what is the advantage of global cities from a missionary perspective? I mean, sure. Versus, you know, sending someone in a more traditional rural setting to do uh, work internationally in a home country. Yeah, I think sometimes the way that question, when you put the kind of the things together that you're talking about there, sometimes that question can, um, I guess, be more easily, if not clumsily, worded as, what's the bang for the buck? Yeah, that's exactly and, uh, what I was thinking in the back of my mind and trying not to say. Yeah, of course, of course. I, I've been asked I, I've been asked that question that way a few times, and, and many times been asked that question not with that wording. Sure. Um, but but the, the question is, is, what's the bang for the buck? Um, and here's, here's one easy answer. You, a church could send a, a missionary and all that it takes to do the sending, all the expenses involved, uh, and all the, the, um, the cultural adjustment and, and everything to, uh, they could send one to Dominican Republic and another one to Ecuador and another one to the interior of Mexico and another one to Colombia and send out four missionaries to these different countries and primarily work within those cultures, within those countries. Um, or you send us one person on Roosevelt Avenue in Queens, and they're touching all those countries and more, really every nation in Latin America, and and many of the populations, at least among first-generation immigrants that they're talking to, um, are going to have connections back to those countries. And so, and so we're, when we're working global cities, we're working at the intersection, really at global intersections of all these different cultures, and so we're encountering these people. But also, in many cases, uh, the people in global cities are the, are the influencers because they're building economic capital and they're considered a family success because they've, they've gone to this place that everyone else only sees on TV. Um, they are now, uh, they have now built cultural capital. They've built relational capital. They have influence among their, uh, their people. And so, um, and so when you start sharing the gospel with them, they now have a voice to speak back into um, people in their homeland, people that respect them, uh, people they've sent resources to. Now they have good news to share. And so these are really people of influence. Okay. Um, so let me, let me make sure I'm hearing you well. So in global cities, you have, first of all, a, a diverse context to reach where you can work multi-ethnically, to influence and in some ways through those connections, a larger uh, context outside of the city. Sure. So I get that. Uh, but tell me more about uh, using these kind of influential people. Like I get that in theory, but what does that look like in practice? Often in rural missions, uh, I think a lot of our, you know, a lot of examples that people uh, would be aware of is um, that are at least familiar with the, in the world of missions. You know, you have a missionary, they're working like in rural Africa or in smaller communities. They go, they, they visit the, the village chief, the gatekeeper, whoever it is, and they ask permission to share the gospel in that, in that setting. And, um, and, and so they may take a really sometimes a really long time negotiating how to enter into the community and really really have a voice um there is a guy that uh that um uh that we were involved in and partnering with and did some training for and training with in um in New York he was working among the West African people he goes to um visit West Africa on two different trips and was able to connect the missionaries that were there uh with people um, that he had an instant opening with because he went through the gatekeepers that are living in New York City. 
And so that opened up these entire family groups. And he ended up being able to essentially fast forward the missionary process connecting with these families because it was taking them really two or three years to negotiate having a voice in this community. He goes over in a few days of speaking into this community Mm -hmm. because of his connection to the leaders that are living across the Atlantic. Sure. I know one of the things I've talked about on the podcast before is how quickly when we first moved to the city, Mm -hmm. we were in homes of people groups that would have taken probably years to build that kind of trust and relationship with if yeah. we were the cultural outsider trying to assimilate overseas. Yeah. Um, but talk to me about how, when we're looking at where to place missionary teams, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, New York is obvious, so London is obvious. Uh, but then you have, you know, obviously I grew up in Amarillo. You've got a significant refugee population there. You've got a lot of Vietnamese mm-hmm. uh, immigrants. You've got a high Hispanic population. What what is the criteria for what justifies putting a mission team somewhere? Sure. As a matter of strategic focus for Global City Mission, um, we're really looking at, uh, at urban centers where you have uh, a high concentration of people. So a, a metropolitan area of, of, of probably at least a million, because uh, we want a high concentration where you can do a lot of seed sowing um, with the gospel. And there's a need a need and opportunity because of the high concentration do a lot of seed sowing with the gospel. Um, we want to look at cities that are uh, major hubs, uh, whether regionally, globally, um, for for uh, bringing the gospel there, there, and those being gateway centers um, for uh, for gospel sharing, for disciple making. Um, we want to be in places that maintain um, significant connection uh, globally because of large numbers of international um, people that are there. Um, we want to be placed in places that are um, significant gateways for the rest of a region or a society. And these need to be cities that are real places of connection, um, uh Again, both globally, but also within the region, where these may be regional leaders uh, in terms of urban hierarchy. Um, and uh, okay, that all sounds very technical. I'm not a I'm not a missiologist or an urban studies guy. So what I'm hearing is population over a million, mm-hmm. uh, and they're either cities that are big influencers in their region within the U.S. Or cities with a population that has a strong influence back overseas mm-hmm. in their home context. Is that right in terms of what I'm hearing? I think there's two sides to the conversation. We talk about the significance of cities. Um, one is we talk about reaching global cities so that the influence can go over there somewhere. So that would be um, the transnational concept. Yeah, the transnational yeah. concept. You reach people, they have connections to their homeland, to other migrant communities, and other parts of the world, and the gospel goes from them to, to those places. And we've seen some of that. Sure. And, and, and that, um, I think that it is a, a major reason for working global cities. So it's a really significant driver. And we need to be about that. And, and we are uh, working uh, in that and for that. The other side of the conversation is uh, people that are landing in Global City, and the Global City is a gateway uh, for people that um, that land first in a, in a major metropolitan area, and then within a generation, they might be moving out to a far-reaching exurb or a smaller town or, or a smaller city. Um, 
that, uh, that they might land in a Houston before they end up in a Corpus Christi. Sure. Um, and so they're going to land first in these major metropolitan areas and, uh, and then they're going to spread out within a generation to other, other parts of our society. And so there's both the, the, the connection side in terms of, uh, we're working with people that are newly arrived that are connected back home. But then we also are recognizing that as we work in that urban space at those global intersections, there's also the people that are, that are going to, to um, spread out within our society, but they're going to enter through this gateway of the global city. Uh, these are gateway cities. Um, and so we want to be able to connect with them um, and reach them at, as they, as they enter into the city and then continue to populate our society. Sure. All right. So Jared, from a missiological perspective, I see the advantage of global cities. I mean, obviously uh, I'm part of GCMI. Um, but what about for people that aren't going to be vocational missionaries? What about for the local church, for the American church? Why does this matter? And, and what should the church do about it? Yeah, I think there's a few things that we probably want to think through in addressing that. Uh, one is a, a lot of the people you're referring to, actually do live in uh, global cities, or at least in the proximity of global cities. They're in major metropolitan areas that maybe didn't feel all that much like a global city 15, 20 years ago. And today they wake up, they drive to work, and they're just seeing a different world than what it used to be. Sure. So um, this would be what, a, a Denver, an Atlanta, a Yeah, an Al- certainly in Atlanta, uh, a, a Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, a, I mean, a Houston. You know, I lived in Houston 20 years ago, and and it was a global city then, and it was highly diverse. But I had the sense that if you lived out in the suburbs, and depending on what your job was – um, certainly if you work downtown, you would have seen it. But depending on what your job was, you may not realize just how globalized Houston was. Sure. Now, I don't talk to anyone who doesn't realize it. Okay. Um, and, and so there, there is kind of an awakening that I think is taking place with people that have grown up in, in North America. They've grown up in the United States. They've gone to church. They've maybe had a pretty um, homogenous cultural experience. And it's kind of hit a tip, hitting a tipping point where everyone's looking around saying, wow, we have all this diversity around us from around the world. Um, and so I think that's that's one thing that is taking place is a lot of the people you're talking to actually are in global, talking about actually are in global cities. There's there's the other side of it, though, too. There's the people that are living in maybe smaller cities that aren't quite feeling the impact of this yet. Um, and and I think that um, I think that. One thing we could say is that it's a matter of time and they will. Uh, but, you know, I suppose we could argue about whether that's the case. Um, you know, how, you know, wh- where are the trends going in different regions? Yeah. So, so answer me this. These smaller cities, we take a Corpus Christi, we take a Wilmington, Delaware, uh, you know, not, not major urban areas, but mm-hmm. still sizable populations that have, uh, immigrant communities and an influx of migration. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those and, and for the emerging global cities like Dallas and Houston, what can the church do about this? Like what, what needs to happen? Well, I think part of what we're realizing about the church in North America, I think from within the church in North America that we're all missionaries now. 
um, that that we really need to recognize that we are that we are all crossing cultures, um, and even in smaller cities, uh, there are populations, there are communities in those cities that that maybe we haven't been in touch with, but if we're going to reach out to them, we are crossing some kind of cultural barrier, um, and that even includes people who might look like us who were also born here because there are um, larger and larger populations of people that are growing up outside of any real profound influence of the church. And so um, if, if we're going to reach our surrounding culture, we're going to cross cultures in some way, uh, whether um, that's learning uh, Spanish or uh, recognizing the Vietnamese community around us or uh, or whether that's reaching people that um, that are being touched by this urban global world and they're they're living in this this larger conversation um, and and haven't really been in conversation with the church and so how does the church enter into life with those people um, that we're all really now missionaries we're all crossing cultures and of course not in the sense that we are all a vocational missionary trained in missions. I think those of us that are in that role are really are really in a position. I think you really have a responsibility to provide a service to train everybody how to be a missionary in their own community. Mm. Um, those of us that are vocational missionaries really need to be the equippers and the trainers and the, the, the teachers, the coaches of the larger body who need to really um, really awaken as a missionary people. The the dichotomy, the split between foreign and domestic missions really has to go away. I, I don't know that it ever should have existed. Um, you know, there's this, this kind of sense of, well, over there is missions and this is home. No, we are on mission everywhere that we are. Um, and, and I guess there maybe was a little bit of a, of a reasonable divide between, well, that means crossing culture and, and this doesn't. If, I don't know how true that was, but if, if that, uh, cause, cause North America always was, at least some degree of diversity, always had some degree of diversity. Um, but uh, so, so I don't know how true that was, but if it ever had any truth to it, uh, I think that rationale is now fading as, as, uh, as our cities, both big and small, become increasingly diverse uh, with people from around the world, as well as people that are maybe the children or grandchildren from of people that came from another place in the world, and and now with, like I said, within a generation or two, they've moved to another another part of the country. So, Jared, what, if you were to just kind of sum up what you just said, you know, put it in a soundbite for me. What what is your message to churches around the country? I think there's a real need, even call, to recognize that we are all cross-cultural missionaries in our communities. And what that's going to mean, some implications for the church, is that that probably is going to mean some retooling. Uh, I think there's some pretty traditional missionary skills that, uh, at least at a basic level, that we're going to need to get into our churches. Um, But all of us are looking around our communities and seeing an increasingly diverse, and at least in some cases, uh, incredibly international harvest that is all around us. And we need to become a missionary people once again. Well, Jared, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you. Um, and thank you for joining us 
on today's episode of the Global City Mission podcast. You can find out more about us online at globalcitymission.org or by visiting us on our Facebook and Twitter.